Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Home and home. We're back after a President's Day break. Home and home returning with scandal to Major League Baseball. The cheating scandal for the Houston Astros continues to rock the sport and, quite frankly, all of sports. And our poll question this morning for you, will the Astros cheating scandal help or hurt baseball viewership this season? Help it, hurt it, or will it have no effect? And there is scandal in the NFL as well. Will we see a lawsuit filed by Mason Rudolph against Miles Garrett of the Cleveland Browns? That story will continue to dominate the headlines in the offseason. We'll talk to Darren Heitner, a sports attorney, about whether a lawsuit is possible there. It is a Tuesday home and home. Thanks for coming back with us on a Tuesday after President's Day. We are Radio.com Sports Original. I'm Dave Briggs, not home today. I'm on the road in Colorado, in my hometown, Denver, Colorado. Ross Tucker is home, though, in Pennsylvania, and Ross just home for a little uh, family visit, kids visiting all their grandparents and cousins, and got to take my son to his first ever Colorado Avalanche uh, hockey game, for those of you that don't know the Avs. And Ross, he doesn't know anything about hockey at all, not growing up in real hockey family. So he and his cousin just sat there eagerly awaiting a fight for the entire night. It's all they wanted. I didn't realize kids viewed hockey that way in 2020 because it's not a fighting sport the way it was when you and I grew up. So it was a bit of a bummer to see that was the only thing they wanted to see. Good news is they saw a couple of fights, bro, and they really enjoyed that. Oh, there was. Okay, because I know that they've cut down quite a bit on it to the point where I am surprised that they were even aware of that or that that was what they were looking for especially because if they don't go to very many hockey games, I would think that they would be entranced just by the speed of the action in front of them and the nonstop, you know, variety of it. Well, I think there's a lot of red zone impact on all sports, Ross. So two kids that watch nothing but the red zone every Sunday. So what do they expect? Scoring. They view hockey as a fighting sport And the other thing they're used to is scoring. So kids today, I think, have a hard time with hockey where you see a lot of one-nothing games. Now, thankfully, again, this was an overtime game they saw, a loss by the Avalanche, a win by the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I'm wondering how hockey resonates across the country with kids, given the red zone impact that we see that has impacted all of sports. I mean, you have a couple of daughters, so probably won't have that experience. But I am curious how young people embrace the sport of hockey because of the lack of fighting and scoring. Yeah, so I know we we, we actually have tickets to Hershey Bears, which is AHL, which is a very high level of hockey just below the NHL. We really enjoy it. Now, it's kind of nice to have a beer and be there with your kids, but they, 
they like it. I mean, they, they enjoy it. Um, they certainly get into it when there's a fight, but I think they're into the whole thing. Uh, you know, we can, maybe this is for another day, Dave, but I'm also curious as to what it's like for you guys to live so far from your parents um, and how hard that is. Cause it's nice for us. You know, we're a little less than an hour from my mom and, and my wife's parents. So it's kind of nice for them to be sort of regular parts of our kids' lives. And uh, whether that's tough for you guys when you go back and you realize, you know, how nice it is to be around them, I guess. It's very, very difficult. Seeing your parents a couple of year, a couple of times a year, I think is difficult for, for my wife and I. And um, not only do they only see the grandkids a couple of times a year, but you only see them a couple of times a year. So each time you're kind of stunned at how they're aging, right? So it's like, wow. It's starting to feel real. What about your weekend? Anything exciting before we get into this Astro scandal? I uh, had a great weekend, man. It was awesome. Um, Try to think. Friday night, I went to the Lidditz Fire and Ice Festival, uh, which is awesome in Lidditz, Pennsylvania, down near Lancaster for Valentine's Day. And then Saturday, skiing with the girls, which is amazing. Saturday night, we went to a Thai place for dinner for my sister-in-law's birthday Sunday we celebrated my daughter's birthday we hadn't been able to celebrate the week before so yeah it was a jam-packed weekend to be sure glad though we are back and there's always a lot to talk about oh man I'm just jealous you got to go skiing I'm in Colorado where there's a fresh foot of snow and none of my kids want to go skiing, but that's for another conversation. There is a lot to talk about this morning. And because the biggest story in all of sports is not a story baseball would like us talking about. And that of course is the Houston Astros sign stealing scandal. All teams continue to speak out against the Astros. No one in their corner at this junction Juncture and Rob Manfred, MLB commissioner, is not helping matters. In fact, an easy argument could be made. He is continually making matters worse and has from the very start. And it all comes down to a press conference and specifically an interview he gave with Carl Ravage of ESPN, where he attempted to quiet the controversy, but in my eyes, made it worse on several regards. Here is the commissioner. We'll talk about it on the other side. I don't absolve the players of responsibility. I think that in their comments, at least some of them, um, you can see the fact that that, that they understand uh, they have a fundamental obligation to play within the rules. Um, and I, I don't think any of them feel like they've been absolved, frankly. We found no evidence, not a single witness um, who could corroborate that there were buzzers being used during the 2019 season, indeed, that they were doing anything inappropriate during the 2019 season. Um, given that the players told us, you know, chapter and verse about 2017 and chapter and verse about 2018, um, it does give some credibility to the de- denials that were uniform uh, about the use of buzzers in 2019. Um, can I tell you 100% certain that um, it didn't happen? Uh, no, uh, you can never know that. You got to, you know, 
people tell you what they tell you. I, I, I will tell you the evidence on this issue um, was as consistent in the direction that nothing was going on as the evidence was consistent in the direction that there was inappropriate behavior in 17 and 18. I don't agree um, that the disciplines were weak. Um, I, I, I really don't. I think that the disciplines um, are strong enough that they will deter people from engaging in this behavior going forward. Um, I think that you need to, to think about the overall context in terms of what's been done to people's reputations, what they're going to have to answer questions about, arguably for the rest of their lives. The idea of, you know, an asterisk or asking for a piece of metal back um, seems, you know, sort of a futile act. People are always know that there was something about the 2017 World Series uh, that was different, and they're going to know that because whether we made every decision right or wrong, um, we undertook a really thorough investigation and we had the intestinal fortitude to put out there the facts we found, even though they weren't very pretty. Speaking of not very pretty, nothing about that interview was very pretty from MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred. He should be fired. I'm not the first to say it and I certainly won't be the last. He has hurt the entire sport he has brought the entire sport against one organization. He has not made one good move from the very start of this to the very finish. And I can't think of one reason not to fire Rob Manfred. It's not as if when you look at Roger Goodell and any criticisms that have been thrown his way over the years, Roger Goodell's job is to protect the shield and to make owners rich. And he has done that from the very start. And what has Rob Manfred done here? He has hurt the reputation of the entire game. We'll circle back to that comment there about the trophy being a piece of metal, but Rob Manfred should be fired for his handling of this scandal and for his arrogance to the media and for his arrogance to every other team in Major League Baseball. It's been ugly. It's been brutal. And here's a couple of things not a part of that sound. Rob Manfred said it was late 2018 that he first started to hear rumors of the cheating scandal. I've said it before, and I'm not gonna run from it now. That is a flat out lie. There is no way, there is no how, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, didn't hear these rumors as they were happening. There was a freaking trash can being hammered on at every Astros game. Jose Altuve, some of the best known players in baseball, we're hitting home runs after that sound. We have now heard that 10 plus teams around Major League Baseball had suspicions. And according to the Washington Post, several of them reported those suspicions. So he's lying. He's flat out lying, even now faced with questions, now that we know all that we know. And one more thing, Ross. He said that the public airing of the cheating scandal was the worst part of the Astros punishment. I cannot believe how out of touch and how arrogant Rob Manfred has been and he has turned the entire sport against one team, almost uniting all of them, but it has been a debacle. I can't say one good thing about how he's handled this scandal from the very start. So this guy's done several things that are not real bright. And the things that bother me the most are the way he sort of snarkily uh, addressed a reporter that got 
the letter that Manfred sent to Astros GM Jeff Lunau that made it clear that the GM and the front office was aware of Operation Codebreaker or the dark arts or that this algorithm had been created or whatever, which is a really bad look for Manfred as well as MLB because they came out and tried to make it seem like it was all about the players. It was all player driven. That, and when he says, you know, I'm not going to, it seems silly to me to take away some piece of metal, which by the way, that piece of metal, that's like the whole goal. That's like what this whole thing's about is to win the world series and to win that piece of metal for him to not understand how poorly that would be received by players, fans, everybody, to dismiss what is the end goal that everyone's trying to achieve as a piece of metal is so poor, Dave, it's almost beyond words. Now, there are some things I think people are a little hard on him for. Like, I do believe these Astros players having to answer questions about it, be asked about it, have people know about that for the rest of their lives. I do think that's pretty significant punishment. And I don't think suspending them for 20 games or 40 games, I'm not sure that that, like, here would be my question, Dave. First of all, how do you suspend the players not knowing the level of involvement for all of them? Secondly, if you do suspend them, how much are you suspending them for? And I would submit to you that let's say they suspended them for 25% of the season, okay? 40 games. You know, I think that almost, I don't want to say it helps those guys, but I don't think those guys, I mean, I'm sure they wouldn't be happy about losing that money, but I think that they, on some level, wouldn't mind not facing the wrath of the away team fans for the first 40 games, including the first 20 road games, because that's when it's going to be its worst. And that's when the scrutiny and the vile and everything's going to be its worst. I don't think those players would mind, you know, missing out on that and then coming back when that's died down a little bit. So on some level, I don't have a huge problem with him saying, you know, the scrutiny, the criticism, the scarlet letter, if you will, is is the worst part of this for the players because I I think it is I mean it would be for me like that that would be worse than being suspended twenty games or four, whatever it is would be having everyone I know from my hometown everyone I know everywhere branding me and looking at me as a cheater and having to face them forever now so I agree with him on that part of it. Right. No, I'm not going to disagree with you there, but this wasn't Rob Manfred and this wasn't Major League Baseball that aired the cheating scandal. It was thanks to Internet detectives and reporters across the across the country. They're the ones that aired this details of the cheating scandal. Now, if Rob Manfred had been um, up, up front and honest about what happened when he knew it, exactly what happened, who cheated, who didn't. 
I would agree with you, but it was not Manfred. It was not Major League Baseball that actually cleared up the details of what happened. I mean, think about John Boy Media, our good friend on YouTube. He is the one that has put out the most detailed analysis of what happened. It's not thanks to Major League Baseball that we know anything about this scandal. So I just disagree with his perception of what, and now you do bring up a good point about would it have actually helped the players if they were punished? I do believe it would have. I do believe it would have helped the players most notably if they would have found a way to take away that piece of metal. To take away the World Series, I think, would have helped the rest of the league deal with what happened. Now, what do you do with it? Do you award it retroactively to someone else? I'm not sure you can do that either, but I do think you should take away that World Series. I think you should take away the banner. And that certainly would help the public perception of this. But what Manfred also told Carl Ravitch is that that infamous memo that was sent to the Houston Astros to warn them about what not to do, well, he says it was never shown to the players. Now, I don't know if we can believe that or not, but that's what the Houston Astros told Manfred, that ownership and general management, they did not show the memo. It never made its way to the players. So that clearly reminds us that the commissioner didn't punish the front office nor the ownership enough if they didn't relay that memo to the players. That sounds insane. Now, circling back to the piece of metal, Justin Turner, Los Angeles Dodgers, they've been wronged by the Astros in consecutive seasons. Turner weighed in on that ridiculous comment by Manfred. What should have happened was, uh, you know, the commissioner vacated their championship and then we move forward. And we don't have to worry about guys getting hit. We don't have to worry about anything. It's, it's taken care of. You know, calling the World Series trophy a piece of metal. Uh, I mean, I don't know if the commissioner's ever won anything in his life. Maybe he hasn't. But the reason every guy is in this room, the reason every guy is, you know, working out all offseason and showing up to camp early and putting in all the time and effort is specifically for that trophy, which, by the way, is called the commissioner's trophy. So... For him to devalue it the way he did yesterday is, is just tells me how out of touch he is with, with the players in this game. And, you know, at this point, the only thing devaluing that trophy is that it says commissioner on it. I mean, I think it's. Wow. Strong sound there from Justin Turner, Los Angeles Dodgers. Huh, Ross? Absolutely. I love that guy. It, it, I mean, that comment about the the piece of metal I, I like what is going through your head when you say that and you're rob manfred i i don't get it i don't get it at all and then to say you know i i agree with turner they could vacate the world series they probably should right i mean whether you take back the piece of metal or not they should not have that they those guys should not have that because you know why dave they all they blatantly cheated. We all know it. They already have the fond memories. They already got to celebrate and have the parade and all that stuff. It really wouldn't be that big of a deal to them, but it would make everybody else feel better. I mean, the Astros wouldn't be happy about it, but they'd be like, all right, I get it. Yeah, we did cheat. You took away our, you vacate it. You take our trophy. 
those guys still got everything that came with it. So that's what the punishment should have been. Forget the, you know, suspending players 20 games, 40 games. I, I don't really care about that. They should have vacated the trophy and stuff. But let me just say one more thing about this guy, Manfred, okay? And by the way, Dave, you know me well enough to know, like, I, I see the positive in people. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Like, I, I, I'm even saying um, I understand what he's saying about the scarlet letter that those guys have to wear. But when people are this clueless, okay, you know, he was asked a question by Jared Diamond from the Wall Street Journal. And Jared is the guy that found the letter from, you know, somehow got the letter from Manfred to Lunau that made it clear that the Astros front office was involved. So he asks Manfred a question at this press conference. And and Manfred says, uh, nice reporting on your part you know, which was clearly sarcastic and finished it up by, by saying that was a private letter to a, I'll read the exact quote, you know, congratulations. You got a private letter that, you know, I sent to a club official, nice reporting on your part. Like, Hey, Rob, you're trying to be sarcastic, dude. That is nice reporting on his part. What the hell are you talking about? Why are you being sarcastic? That's exactly what he's supposed to do is have sources that don't respect you enough, Rob, to keep that confidential and instead leak it. It's unbelievable reporting on his part. What the hell are you talking about? And it's such a, I mean, Dave, it's such a bad look to not only that he doesn't know that, but for him to like in a public forum like that, to be snarky and sarcastic, bro, you you don't get it. And I don't think you're ever gonna. Between that and the piece of metal, you're a piece of something else. <laughs> you are indeed a piece of something, something else, not metal. And his tone really matches that of the Houston Astros and of the ownership. It matches, it's no wonder the Astros have come out so tone deaf. It's no wonder their owner Jim Crane has been so tone deaf because Rob Manfred really has set the tone from the very beginning and continued it with ESPN. He is tone deaf, he doesn't give a damn, he is arrogant and that's why the hashtag Fire Manfred continues to spread across Twitter. And I'm surprised you haven't heard more from around Major League Baseball talk about getting him out of the job easily right now. The worst commissioner in all of sports. There has been some heat on Gary Bettman over the years, but I think that is largely quieted. Roger Goodell, you can criticize maybe for the Colin Kaepernick, but at the end of the day, look at the growth and the popularity of the NFL. And then obviously Silver, the greatest commissioner in all of sports. And that we can recognize. So hurt it, help it, no effect. That was our poll question. I said from the very beginning, I hate the handling of this scandal. I'm still not convinced it hurts Major League Baseball simply for the fact that we are talking about Major League Baseball 
in February, wherever the Astros go, I would expect them to sell out, I hope. Now, there are two things that you've heard thrown around about how will we and teams handle the scandal. Will Major League Baseball players, pitchers, throw at Astros batters? And Dusty Baker has come out, the manager now, and suggested that Major League Baseball should take a preemptive strike that would punish severely pitchers who throw at them, which is ridiculous. I would like Manfred to say we will treat it as we always do and not make a specific case to cut down on that. There is an over-under. You can bet on how many Astros will be plunked by a pitcher, and right now the over-under by William Hill, 83.5 Astros batters will be plunked by an opposing pitcher. For context, last season, 66 Astros batters were hit by pitch, so a dramatic increase. I hope that's the case. I hope it's well north of 90. I hope fans, and I don't know what is on the banned list of things you can't bring in to a baseball game. I hope that somehow fans are able to bring in trash cans or drums or something to make loud noises while Astros batters are at the plate. I certainly hope they are because I think that would be entertaining. But help it, hurt it, no effect, Ross. I said from the very beginning it might help baseball i certainly don't think it hurts you know what's interesting i i think it helps it too i i voted in our poll at ross tucker nfl you're at dave briggs tv the polls at at rdc home and home i voted help it right now 26 percent help it 42 and a half percent hurt it 31.6 percent no effect i i don't see how there's no effect I mean, there's going to be effect one way or the other. Maybe those people mean it evens out in the end. Some of the responses, Dave, that I've gotten, Graham Muncy replied when I retweeted the poll, early in the season, I think it will help as people tune in to see if there is any retribution against the Astros by other teams. After that, I think it has no impact. That might be fair. Uh, Yuntingly says, I chose help since I'll definitely be tuning into some Astros games, especially versus my Yankees to see what happens. That's the thing, Dave. I'm going to go from minimal baseball watching to maybe tuning in, definitely tuning in when the Astros play the Yankees. I don't know if they play the Dodgers, but if they do, I'll watch that. And maybe even the Astros opening game. And here is my suggestion for whoever plays the Astros in the opening game. The manager needs to tell the number one pitcher, hey man, we got something we need to do. And you have whoever throws the hardest in AAA or out of the bullpen, he starts the game. And first batter up for the Astros, he smokes him in the back or the thigh. Next guy gets a warning. Next guy comes up, he smokes him again. And I'm sure at that point, there'd either be a brawl or he would be ejected. But you know what? It would be awesome. It would be worth it. I don't know how long that guy would get suspended or what his fine would be. 
But Dave, can you even imagine? That guy would be a hero. That guy would be on every TV show. He'd be on Jimmy Fallon if he wanted to. I mean, Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, that guy would be a legend forever, especially if after the game, post-game, he's asked about it and he says, you know, I'm going to get suspended or fined or whatever, and that's okay. It's worth it. This wasn't about me. This wasn't about my career. This was, wasn't even really about baseball. This is about America and doing what's right for America. Can you imagine? Hero, I would love that guy. Immediately becomes my favorite baseball player ever. He signs autographs the rest of his life. He is a legend. I will do it. Now, I don't think I could touch 50 on the radar, but I will do it if you want me to do it. I would love that. We have got a future for Ross Tucker in the sport of Major League Baseball. Look, I'm interested in the fact that you, not a typical baseball watcher, are going to be tuning in this season. Are there other people out there like you? Look, I, I watch a lot of baseball, so I don't think this will change my viewership of Major League Baseball. And that's why, ultimately, I don't think it will have impact in the end. I think there will be a little spike in the beginning. But like your uh, Twitter followers suggested, I think that will quiet um, I hope Major League Baseball allows some of these players to get thrown at, and I hope they spread the wealth. I hope it's not just for the leadoff hitter. There are five or six guys in that batting lineup that I would like to see take a fastball, not off the head, but in the ass or in the chest, or maybe Altuve off that tattoo that he says was the reason that he didn't take off the jersey. Apparently a new tattoo he had on display that says Melanie in the Astros clubhouse yesterday. It will be interesting to see the impact of this. The hashtag Fire Manfred continues to spread across Twitter. We are going to take a quick break here on a Tuesday. When we come back, did you watch the XFL over the weekend? Or is it gone from the sports talk landscape after just two weeks. Did you watch that or did you watch more of the NBA's All-Star Weekend? We'll discuss the highs and the lows of the XFL Week 2 over the weekend. Are you tired of that 2.30 feeling? Well, you're not alone. In fact, research shows that more than 70% of us hit the wall after lunch. Let a five-hour energy shot help you leap over that wall instead of crashing into it. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life with zero sugar, four calories, and a convenient portable size. It's the perfect pick-me-up for busy, hardworking people. Now it comes in two great extra-strength tropical tastes, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They are delicious and can take you to a tropical on-the-go experience. The shot can help you stay alert and energized wherever you may be headed. Is the NFL about to see a lawsuit filed from one player against another player of a division rival? Can you imagine that would impact Browns v. Steelers? We'll talk about it with Darren Heitner, sports attorney. Could Mason Rudolph... Sue Miles Garrett 
Boy, did Miles Garrett fail to quiet that controversy, much like Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball. And also XFL returned for week number two. Did you watch? Home and Home, a Radio.com sports original. And we are back in a quick point on XFL week two, Ross, before we dive into the uh, Browns and Steelers ongoing controversy. Uh, I didn't watch a whole lot. It does very well, the XFL, on social media. I eagerly await the national ratings to see how much they fell. The attendance was down just a couple of percent, with the notable exception of Seattle, which set a new record for XFL attendance. My favorite new tradition, though, bro, in the XFL, and we'll talk about the -the on-the-field product later on, is the -the off-the-field product, the Bud Light Seltzer Shotgun Post-game is my favorite new ritual in sports. I know you laugh at a lot of these sponsor activations across all of sports. This one is a beauty. I've never even had the ability to shotgun a beer, and I can't quite imagine what it's like to shotgun a seltzer, but I love this new tradition. I want it in all of sports. Every sport needs a post-game Bud Light Seltzer shotgun lounge. Well, I will say this, the the XFL has done a nice job like with their social media for sure with yeah. things like this. They are definitely creative and aggressive. I don't know the name of the guy, but the one guy, first of all, I never really liked shotgunning. I I much preferred chugging out of a red solo cup as opposed to shotgunning, you know, the can. I just I never really enjoyed that as much. It just always felt weird and like some of it would spill on me. I'd rather have pour the whole thing into a cup and just go like that. Um, but the one dude, and I, I can't imagine doing it with a seltzer, number one. And then number two, the one guy did it and the look on his face as he walked away, the guy, if you watch the social media, the guys on the left, the look on his face as he walked away, I'm not sure how Bud Light Seltzer feels about that because that guy was like, oh, God, that was terrible. You could tell he was not loving it. Yeah, I don't think Bud Light Seltzer was intended to be shotgunned. I don't know if they're regretting how that turned out because they had this lounge, which I'm not sure they uh, had any intent for guys to shotgun a seltzer. Can you just describe that process for me? Do you shake it up and then you poke a hole in it? And I'm surprised. I actually figured you for an excellent shotgunner. I mean, I figured offensive linemen, generally speaking, were good shotgunners. I wasn't a big shotgun guy. Never was. You just take your key and you poke a hole in the bottom of the can. And then when you open the top, it comes flowing. There's something about... You got to open the top so that the air, so so it's like there's like airflow and it like pushes it out. It's fine. It's fine. It's just, it's low on my list of, of beer activities and I have a lot of them. Yeah, I figured you did. And that's why I was interested on your take on that. I think our next bet, whatever it may be, loser will have to shotgun a Bud Light seltzer here on Home and Home. But it's not good news for the XFL when we're talking about shotgunning seltzers and we're talking about an off-season NFL controversy over what happened on the XFL field over the weekend because of course the Mason Rudolph Miles Garrett controversy continues uh, across 
all of football and now is taken to the national airwaves. And if you haven't been following it from the very start, Miles Garrett reinstated by the commissioner. And then Miles Garrett does an interview with ESPN in which he doubles down on the notion that the Steelers quarterback, Mason Rudolph, called him the N-word during that play. And that's why Miles Garrett swung the helmet at him. Now, look, there's a lot to get to here, but just a quick comment on Miles Garrett. Look, there's obviously no proof whatsoever that Mason Rudolph actually used that word on the football field, but just a tremendous mistake by Miles Garrett to go back down that road because everyone had gotten over what he did on that football field. He had been reinstated. We had all turned the page. And if you haven't researched who Miles Garrett is, he is a tremendous human being off the football field. I would put him up against anyone in the game in terms of the time he spends in the community around the world. He was off to Tanzania to help uh, bring water to third world parts of, uh, of Tanzania. I mean, look, the guy is an extraordinary human being. Why reopen this wound, especially given the fact that there is no proof whatsoever of it actually being true, but the former Browns uh, GM, John Dorsey, did reiterate that he had heard about that post-game from Miles Garrett. So there was someone that he told after the incident that there was the N-word thrown around by Mason Rudolph. But Mason, <laughs> Rudolph fi- Mason Rudolph fired back. His attorneys fired back on Twitter. And then the head coach went on ESPN. And this was very, very surprising to see Mike Tomlin on first take with Stephen A defending his backup, maybe third string quarterback, Mason Rudolph. Here's what Tomlin said in defense of his QB. But when these allegations returned uh, this past weekend, uh, I thought it was appropriate uh, that Mason is properly uh, defended. Um, It was a thorough investigation done by us and the National Football League. I don't think that that was represented during that piece. Um, These accusations are serious, uh, not only in terms of Mason Rudolph's character, but uh, his professional pursuits. Um, Nobody on that field, uh, as a member of the Cleveland Browns or the Pittsburgh Steelers, corroborated what was said by Miles Garrett. That was founded by us and the National Football League, and at no point uh, during that piece this weekend that was stated. Myself, personally, I was on the field immediately after that altercation and subsequently after the game. I got a lot of personal relationships within that organization over there in Cleveland. At no point did anyone within that organization come forward and say, Mike, heads up, we got a situation here or something of that nature that you would expect that comes with those type of uh, allegations. So I fully support Mason Rudolph. We as an organization fully support Mason Rudolph. And to be quite uh, uh, honest with you, uh, we were hacked off with what we saw this weekend. Not specifically for Miles Garrett. Um, he's been in the lane that he's in, but what was displayed by ESPN in that panel, the way that the situation was presented, I don't think was fair to Mason Rudolph, and that's why I'm here today. When you say it wasn't fair to Mason Rudolph, specifically, what are you alluding to that you would classify as unfair? 
It was presented as a he said, he said situation. Even to this day, it was presented as a he said, he said. And I think the National Football League office was very clear that they launched a thorough investigation in, among all parties involved, including the interviewing of people and, and the analysis of technology that was on that field. And they found uh, no evidence of, of Miles's allegations. And I think that that should be stated. Steelers coach Mike Tomlin on ESPN, ripping ESPN on that very interview. A couple of questions for you, Ross. Number one, as a former player, did you ever in your career hear that word on the football field? And question number two is, if Mason Rudolph said that to him, would someone else on the field have heard it? So, uh, to answer your first question, no, I did not. Um, I, I don't ever remember hearing that word from anyone on a football field. And then to answer your second question, um, it's possible that it wasn't heard if it was just the two of them. You know, when Mason Garrett, Mason Rudolph, was trying to get Miles Garrett's helmet off. But I think, like, I mean, I have to go back, like, like the Zapruder film, right, and go back and watch it. But I think the Castro or somebody was somewhat close to them when the two of them were on the ground there. Is yeah. it possible he said, you bleep bleep, and, um, and that the Castro didn't hear it? I guess. I think it's unlikely. You know, is it possible that Rudolph said something else and Garrett thought he said that? Or in his mind, that's what he heard? I suppose that's possible as well. I just, I am flummoxed and floored that Miles Garrett would do a sit-down interview in which he would reiterate these allegations. I, I, I just don't get it. I mean, you know... If someone asks you, you can say, I said what I said and I'm, and, and, um, I'm over it. You know, like, I, I didn't lie. I said what happened, but I'm moving on. Like, to go out of your way to explain it and do a standalone interview like that, I find very, very curious and confusing because now it's a big topic again. And I'll say one other thing, Dave, on it. You know, it's pretty clear to me that the Steelers offensive linemen, Steelers players believe Mason Rudolph and they don't believe Miles Garrett. And when you're playing, you're already physical, trying to beat up the other guy, trying to win the game, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how much those guys really are tight with Mason Rudolph, but I would like to think that if they were, boy, Miles Garrett's putting even more of a bullseye on his chest yeah. or maybe his back as the case may be with that kind of allegation. If I was close with Mason Rudolph, when we played the Browns next year, that would be even more reason to try to light Miles Garrett up if I believed Mason and felt like Miles Garrett was lying and dragging Mason's name through the mud. Yeah. And bringing this controversy back up, but I wouldn't be happy about it at all if I were the commissioner because this story seemed to be over and it doesn't explain his actions. Like we tell our children at home, Ross, two wrongs don't make a right. I don't wanna hear my kid coming down and tattling. I don't wanna hear it. Go back and solve this. 
even if he used that despicable word, which there's no suggestion that he did, it does not explain the actions of Miles Garrett. And I, I feel like the insinuation is from Garrett that this would explain his actions. No, they would not. Is there going to be a lawsuit filed on behalf of Mason Rudolph against Miles Garrett? Let's ask Darren Heitner, sports attorney. Check him out at Heitner Legal. Darren, great to have you on the program. Uh, first off, Mason Rudolph responded on Twitter to the allegation, quote, 1,000% false, bold-faced lie. I did not, have not, and would not utter a racial slur. This is a disgusting and reckless attempt to assassinate my character. Does that sound to you like legal action is forthcoming? Well, good morning, gentlemen. So the use of keywords like reckless and assassination of character are certainly calculated by both Mason and his agent, who also happens to be a lawyer. And you can even look to his agent's tweets that also use language that are sincerely calculated uh, for a defamation cause of action should they decide to bring one. Now, we don't know whether or not Mason will just drop this or actually litigate, but certainly he and his agent have thought about it because they were very careful <laughs> as to the language that they included in their tweets. And look, Mason is a public figure. I don't think that there's any doubt whatsoever that if you're in the National Football League, and in particular, if you're at the quarterback position, you are a public figure. So it would make his defamation claim a bit harder than a normal defamation claim brought by a private figure. But again, these are things that will need to be hashed out only if a lawsuit is filed, and we're not sure whether there will be one or not. All right, so Darren, let's talk turkey then. What would the lawsuit be? Is there any precedent for it? What could damages be? What are we talking here? So there's a lot of precedent with regard to defamation actions. And in particular, this would be a slander action because we're talking about commentary that was uttered orally as opposed to in written, which would be libel. So that's the distinction there. If he were to bring a claim, he'd have to, one, show that there was a publication, which obviously there was because Miles Garrett went on national TV. Not sure quite why he needed to, but he did it. Um, there, it would have to be a false statement of fact, which obviously Mason Rudolph is taking the position that Miles Garrett is being untruthful in stating that uh, Mason Rudolph uh, said a racial slur. And there needs to be reputational harm, which goes to the assassination of character reference in Mason Rudolph's tweet. But in addition to that, as I mentioned, because he's a public figure, Mason Rudolph would have to show that Miles Garrett had actual malice in, in saying that false statement of fact, that Mason Rudolph uttered a uh, racial slur. And that goes to an issue of intent. So if Miles Garrett truly believes that Mason Rudolph said it, then you can't show that he knew that it was a false statement or that there was reckless disregard. And I think that's really where, what this boils down to. It's a very difficult claim to make because even if Mason Rudolph didn't say it, Miles Garrett seems to be committed to this position that he said it. And so while he may not have any backup that he, that he actually said it, can Mason Rudolph essentially prove a negative? And that's the, that's the complex part of this. Miles Garrett said that it was uttered while they were going down. Was there anyone in close proximity that heard what they said? And would the crowd noise and everything else that got in the way probably interrupt 
what anyone heard. I think it's a very, very difficult case to prevail on. Heitner with us. Check him out, heitnerlegal.com. What is the burden of proof here? And is this simply a civil issue? Could there be anything criminal involved? No, I think this is strictly a civil issue. I, I can't imagine that there was any sort of criminal action that was that was taken, um, and certainly that wouldn't be up to Miles Garrett to bring. That would be up to a prosecutor. And I, I again, I can't envision that occurring. So we're talking about civil a civil case and potentially monetary damages. The burden is on the plaintiff. The burden would be on Mason Rudolph to prove, as I mentioned, all the elements of a defamation claim, and importantly, that actual malice element. And I think that's the incredibly difficult part of all this. Unless there's some smoking gun out there, perhaps Miles Garrett admitted to somebody else that this was all fabricated. In that circumstance, absolutely. Mason Rudolph would have a slam dunk case. But without that, I think he'd have a very tough time proving actual malice. And without that key element, in a public figure defamation case, the case will ultimately fail. Mason Rudolph may be able to get past the motion to dismiss phase, maybe get into some discovery, but there's probably not much to discover unless there were some microphones that would capture any of the audio, and we don't, we're not aware of any of that. So it sounds like, Darren, your recommendation would be, hey, Mason, this stinks, but it'd be a waste of time to try to go down the lawsuit route. You know, I, I, I think Mason and his agent did the right thing in responding publicly and identifying the elements of a defamation action. But I also at this point is probably to let it go uh, by responding. They're doing what they can to rehabilitate the reputational harm that's allegedly been caused by Miles Garrett. What I can't understand is why Miles Garrett would not only double down, but essentially triple down. He first said this in the appeal hearing then uh, reiterated it in a tweet, and now after being reinstated, once again uh, supported this, this claim in the national media. So I don't quite understand his position. I do understand what Mason and his agent have done. But, yeah, I think the best thing is move on, hope Miles Garrett doesn't bring this up again, and play football. Sports attorney Darren Heidner with us. Darren, how does it help Miles Garrett's potential case that former GM John Dorsey says that Garrett told him immediately after the game and that he also told defensive tackle Larry Ogunjobi? Uh, again, I think it goes to the very key element of actual malice. He, he, he did not believe that he was uttering a false statement in saying that Mason Rudolph uh, said a racial slur and there's no reckless disregard for the truth. That's the, key, that's the key element here in a public figure defamation case. So if Miles Garrett is committed to his position, which, again, he's tripled down at this point. He said it over and over again, this is what I heard. Well, he believes that's what he heard, and even though that may not be true, it doesn't rise to the level of actual malice. So I do believe, as you mentioned, those two key pieces of, pieces of evidence, I think, would weigh very heavily in Miles Garrett's favor should a lawsuit be brought by Mason Rudolph. Last one for me, Darren. Always appreciate the time. Is, is there any logic in your mind, and I know you help represent and advise a lot of players, is there any logic you can think of to Miles Garrett doing this standalone interview 
last week and once again bringing this up and once again bringing this back into the public forum. Is there any logic or reasoning that makes any sense in your mind? From a standpoint, absolutely not. And even from a public relations standpoint, I sincerely question the logic in having him appear and say this for the third time. That said, my assumption is whomever it is that the on the public relations side said we need to rehabilitate our own reputation. So, so putting aside Mason Rudolph and any reputational harm that would potentially be caused by going out there and speaking publicly on ESPN, Miles Garrett, you need to rehabilitate your own reputation and, and provide an excuse for the terrible act in the place. I heard you speaking before I came on. I agree. I don't think even if there was a racial slur that was uttered that it provides any justification something to try to justify what you did. And again, I don't get it because it came in such close proximity to him being reinstated by the league, which is a very positive event. I think he should have just moved on. With us, sports attorney, uh, Darren, before you go, real briefly, I don't know if you've studied the uh, case, the uh, pitcher, former pitcher who's suing the Houston Astros. His name is Mike Bolsinger. He is suing the Astros because of the sign-stealing scandal. He says um, he came in the game, that sign-stealing scandal, they crushed him and essentially ended his Major League Baseball career as we know it. Does that lawsuit have any legs? Does any lawsuit against the Houston Astros related to that sign-stealing scandal have any legal legs? That's going to be a very tough one. I am familiar with the case. Um, I do think there is a potential that it gets past the initial phase of any sort of motion practice to try to dismiss the lawsuit because obviously we know that the sign-stealing issue took place, that individuals outside of the Astros organization were negatively affected. I think the, the biggest issue here is causation. But for this occurring on that particular day, would this pitcher have stayed in Major League Baseball? And what was his earning potential had he stayed? How long would he have stayed? There's so many unknowns and so much speculation required in this type of case that ultimately I don't think it is a winner. But perhaps if it gets past the motion to dismiss phase, it's something that the defendants would want to throw some money at just so that, one, they don't have to spend their own money in defending the case, and two, they don't have to open themselves up to additional discovery. Yeah, now, Bolsinger was struggling around that time, but did appear that outing in which he was knocked around by the Astros did appear to end his career. I always thought, Darren, that lawsuit would stand better as a class action. There are a lot of pitchers who may have claims. Would that be potential if they group together and form some sort of class action suit against the Astros? Interesting question. I don't know that they would necessarily be certified as a class by a court. Obviously, that's one of the first steps that's necessary in a a class action lawsuit. Um, You know, they would all be pitchers, as you mentioned, but commonality would be a concern because all these have to face these batters are obviously, they have different skill sets. Uh, different histories and different projections. And so I think there would be some difficulty in certifying that that class for this particular issue. It's, it, it can be distinguished from 
the minor league class action that we've seen with regard to the payment of wages, because there, obviously, there is uniformity with regard to the lack of payment, um, and there is a ceiling on, on which they would be paid. Here, there's such disparity between the various individuals who would be suing. So I think there may be a, an issue on certifying the class, which would take up a considerable amount of time. Good stuff. Darren Heitner, sports attorney. Check him out at HeitnerLegal.com. Great to have you on the show. Appreciate the analysis. We're going to take a quick break here on the program. When we come back, we will start our all 32 offseason look at every NFL team. What is their one burning question? Are they on the rise or are they on the decline or just staying right there in the middle? And we started the NFC East and the Philadelphia Eagles after a break. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.